Well, thank you very much. You are listening to The Jazz Focus here on WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. My name is John Clark. I'm glad you're with us again. We're going to be focusing on a piano player. We did this a while back uh, with uh, Herman Chittison. This is a very different piano player, a very different style piano player as well. His name was John Parker, although he was better known by his nickname, Naki. Naki Parker was his, uh, the name that he went by professionally as a piano player and as an academic, which we'll talk about in a minute. He was born in 1918 in Texas, and he was raised uh, on the blues, really. He was uh, uh, indoctrinated into blues playing very early in the Dallas area, and that was, in the 1920s, a hotbed of blues performance by African-American artists, such as Blind Lemon Jefferson, one of the great uh, early blues singers to be recorded. And Naki Parker remembered meeting him as a young man and, and absorbing some of what he had to uh, to tell him or stylistically play and all that, and he listened to a lot of the records of uh, Blind Lemon Jefferson, Bessie Smith, and so forth. And he started playing professionally in what came to be known as Western Swing Bands. They weren't known as that at the time. I've already done a few programs on different Western Swing brand Bands, uh, Milton Brown, Bob Wills, and so forth. Um, this uh, style that uh, Naki Parker was playing in was really very jazz-based. He was first and foremost a jazz pianist, and he always said that for the rest of his life. And his uh, initial associations with what we, came, what we would call Western Swing Bands were with a band called The Wanderers in 1935, and most notably the Light Crust Doughboys in 1937, and he was with that group for about two years. Now the Light Crust Doughboys had begun as a uh, string trio, string band, string trio, what have you. Uh, in the early 1930s, and they were uh, a kind of a marketing tool for the Burris Mills in Saginaw, Texas, and uh, they uh, would be on the radio a couple of times a day on programs that were sponsored by the Mills and uh, the flour that they produced, and uh, they would do songs having to do with that, but they would also do contemporary pop tunes, and the first members of that group were Bob Wills on violin, Herman Einsberger on guitar, and Milton Brown on uh, the vocals, and and that group broke up fairly soon, and the uh, manager of the Light Crust Doughboys, uh, a man named W. Lee O'Daniel, kind of a curious figure who went into politics. He became the governor of Texas. He served some time in Washington and uh, always had a band with him, and music was a big part of his public persona. And uh, he had this uh, group at the mill for several years until he got fired, and he took another group out on the road with him. But the Light Crust Doughboys lasted until the early 1940s. Really, it was World War II that broke them up. And then they reunited in the 1950s, and they stayed together until just about the turn of the century. They may, there may still be a Light Crust Doughboys group uh, touring down in the Texas area. As far as I know, I don't know. Anyway, in 1934, seven to 39, the group was really uh, at its peak. It was very, very jazz-oriented, and the musicians who were in the group who left reminiscences said that they would be copying jazz records by Benny Goodman and uh, different uh, big bands that were, of course, popular at the time, this being the big band era, and they would uh, boil them down for their instrumentation. Now, this group was pretty much a string band. It never had any horns, and clarinets, trumpets, trombones, anything like that. Um, it followed uh, the on the heels of the Milton Brown Brownies group, which was the first significant group in this style. It uh, was around from a couple of years, 1934 up till 1936 or so, when Milton Brown died in a car accident, and uh, the group broke up shortly thereafter. It was a light crust doughboys that kind of took up the mantle of that style. 
So with the two tunes that we started out with, both of which featured Naki Parker, were The Little Rock Getaway and The Gin Mill Blues. Now both of those songs were written by the great stride pianist Joe Sullivan, who came from Chicago. He had been playing with the Bob Crosby Band and featured himself on arrangements of those two tunes with the Bob Crosby Band, but he had contracted tuberculosis, had to leave the band, and by the time they recorded those tracks, uh, it was another pianist, Bob Zerke, who was featured on the on the recordings themselves. And the Crosby uh, Band recorded those in November of 1937. These two recordings that we're uh, hearing now, the first one, or the second one rather, Little Rock Getaway, came from June of 1939. Gin Mill Blues came from November of 1938. These were recorded for the Vocalion label, and uh, they were recorded in Dallas. And the instrumentation on these were two fiddles, uh, violin duos, fiddle uh, pairs were very important to this style. Uh, on the first one, it was Cecil Brower and Kenneth Pitts on violin. And on the second one, it was Pitts and Buck Buchanan on fiddle. Zeke Campbell was responsible for the electric guitar work, which was really quite ahead of its time in terms of country music, and uh, was looking forward to the, the, the recordings of Charlie Christian, which really wouldn't be coming out for another year or so. Ramon Darman played rhythm guitar. Marvin Montgomery played sometimes guitar and more often banjo in the rhythm section. Jim Boyd, who was... Uh, pretty well-known in, in Western swing circles, was playing bass on this track, and Naki Parker, of course, was on piano. And if you're familiar with the Bob Crosby recordings, uh, you can hear how the arrangement was copied, note for note, almost, uh, but tra translated into the instrumentation of this Western swing band with two violins and an electric guitar rather than horn sections, and it's remarkable how successful they were. So that was an example of an early uh, recording of Naki Parker. I'm going to be doing a uh, podcast on my Jazz Focus podcast, which you can find on anchor.fm, Jazz Focus, or any number of other platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music. Um, I'm going to be doing an entire program on the Light Crust Doughboys. They did a lot of recordings, both with and without Naki Parker, of pop tunes and jazz tunes, some really fine soloing in there as well. They did look on themselves as a jazz band. All the players stated that repeatedly. Um, and as I said, the term Western Swing didn't exist in the 1930s. It really wasn't used in until the early 1940s. So uh, we're kind of reflecting back uh, when we call these groups country groups or what have you. So we're going to go forward to listen to uh, music that, if anything, was a little bit stylistically behind what we just heard. Now, Naki Parker was a really remarkable musician. As I said, he was a fine piano player. He played stride, he played boogie-woogie, he played blues. Uh, he played in these different blues groups. He uh, also was a ragtime enthusiast, and he has the, or had the distinction, he may still have the distinction of being the only performer ever to record all of uh, the Scott Joplin rags and Jelly Roll Morton's piano works as well, and he did that in the 1950s and 60s and I think into the 1970s as well. And he recorded uh, solo doing a lot of ragtime and sort of jazzy ragtime pieces, but he also performed as part of a number of very fine bands, which we would call traditional jazz or Dixieland, New Orleans jazz. Really, they were all out of the revival period of the 1940s and 50s, and some of them were uh, really fine groups that we don't think too much of today because their recordings are not too accessible. We're going to start with uh, a recording that was done uh, as part of a um, 
I guess an album called in uh, Gay Old New Orleans. And this was done, these recordings which were done by a series of different groups were done in the 1950s. And the only reason I know that it was probably the early 50s is because the fellow who was playing bass on this recording was a man named Cyrus St. Clair, who was better known as a tuba player. And he had played with Clarence Williams and Charlie Johnson's Paradise Orchestra and a few others in the 1920s and 30s. And he passed away in 1955, so obviously these recordings date from before that. We're going to hear the General Morton tune Grandpa's Spells, uh, done by Naki Parker on piano, Cyrus St. Clair on bass, and Irving Kratka on drums. These were recorded in New York City. And uh, this was a relatively early time for a revival of Jelly Roll Morton's music this early 1950s. There weren't a lot of bands outside of some of the West Coast bands like Lou Waters that were doing this and even uh, doing this as, a, as piano solos and things. So this was kind of on the cutting edge of the traditional jazz boom of that period. So that's where we're going to go next. Then we're going to jump over to an album that came from the 1980s with Naki Parker uh, backing up the singer Carol Lee and two tunes from that album. Downhearted Blues, of course, made famous by Bessie Smith, and There Ain't No Sweet Man That's Worth the Salt of My Tears, which we remember from the Paul Whiteman version featuring Bing Crosby. And that band, I'll tell you about a little bit later, um, that was recorded for George Buck's label and uh, had some of his, uh, his regulars on there. Then we're going to end up with a tune called the Gettysburg March, a New Orleans march that is here performed by Doc Evans and his band, a, uh, a group out of the Minneapolis area. And this will feature Naki Parker in a very traditional format, traditional jazz. This was from an album made in 1957 by Doc Evans and his band. Dixieland Classics, done on audiophile in 1957. As I said, Naki Parker was part of this group. Um, this was after Parker had served in the military during World War II. He had come back to New York uh, following his... Uh, discharge and was playing with jazz groups. He didn't go back to play with the Western Swing groups very often, although he did have some reunions over the years. And 1946-47 uh, found him playing in a, a trio, unfo unfortunately unrecorded, with Albert Nicholas and Zudi Singleton. And we're going to hear a trio very similar to that a little bit later. So our tunes on this next set, Grandpa's Spells, The Downhearted Blues, There Ain't No Sweet Man That's Worth the Salt of My Tears, and Gettysburg March.
disgusted, heartbroken too. I've got those downhearted blues. Once I was crazy about a man, he mistreated me all the time. The next man I get has got to promise me to be mine. Pillow for years and years. 
on my pillow for years and years there ain't no sweet man worth the salt of my tears down and down he dragged me like a fiend he nagged me for years and years there ain't no Let me your ear. 
Doc Evans and his band featuring Naki Parker on the piano. That tune was called the Gettysburg March. A march uh, from New Orleans going into a nice foxtrot tempo at that point. That was done in 1957 for the Audiophile label, an album called Dixieland Classics. And this was uh, a group that was really a product of the Dixieland revival, so-called. Um, these were musicians who, with the exception of Doc Evans and I guess Naki Parker too, had been on the younger side, come up after World War II, and started playing this type of music inspired by King Oliver, Louis Armstrong, General Morton, so on, uh, and started making albums, and they came to be quite well known. This band uh, was located in the Minneapolis area, and Doc Evans stayed there for most of his life. He actually founded the Minneapolis Symphony Orchestra, and he conducted it, in addition to playing cornet in his own band. So in this band, we had Doc Evans on cornet, Hal Runyon on trombone, Dick Pendleton on clarinet, Naki Parker on piano, Bill Peer on banjo, George Tupper on tuba, and Warren Thewis on drums. Before that, we heard Naki Parker featured on two tunes from an album called Go Back Where You Stayed Last Night, featuring Carol Lee and the vocals of Carol Lee. Um, there were two different groups on this album. The one with uh, Naki Parker featured Ernie Carson on cornet, Charlie Borneman on trombone, John Otto on clarinet, Bill Rutan on banjo, Shorty Johnson on tuba, and Hal Smith on drums, in addition to Naki and Carol Lee. And we heard the downhearted blues, and there ain't no sweet man that's worth the salt of my tears. I believe those were done in the early to mid-80s. Well, actually, it would be early 80s, and they would be towards the end of Naki Parker's life. He passed away in 1985. We started out the set with uh, an early 50s recording of an... Uh, Jelly Roll Morton piano composition. Uh, Morton had scored this out for his uh, Red Hot Peppers in 1926, uh, and this was a different version, a trio version, with Naki Parker on piano, Cyrus St. Clair on bass, and Irving Kratka on drums, playing the Grandpa's Spells, uh, sort of a halfway between ragtime and jazz type of composition, uh, one of Morton's best, I think, and uh, Naki Parker was an expert, as I said, on the Jelly Roll Morton repertoire and also on the Scott Joplin repertoire. We're going to hear a Scott Joplin tune or two coming up as well. So after uh, jobbing around New York in the 40s and so forth, uh, Parker went back to school. He had actually left the Light Crust Doughboys in 19. 
1939 to go to, uh, I think it was Texas Christian Academy full-time. He wanted to get his bachelor's degree in English, which he did. And then he went on later to get his doctorate from Columbia University in the late 40s. Actually, it was his master's from Columbia uh, in the late 40s. And then he went on to get a doctorate later on. So he uh, became quite a high-placed academic. Uh, he was uh, the chairman of the English department at Kentucky Wesleyan University for a while. He also taught uh, for a long time at the University of South Florida, and all the time still doing music on the side and apparently incorporating music into his English lectures as well. After he retired, presumably in the uh, 60s or, or 70s, he went back to playing and recording with a vengeance. As I said, he recorded all the Jelly Roll Morton and, and uh, Scott Joplin uh, repertoire. He did a lot of early jazz recordings. We will hear some uh, lesser-known uh, ragtime-slash-jazz recordings coming up as well. Kind of interesting. Including the next one that we're going to hear. This next uh, set is going to feature three numbers from an album that came out on, uh, I think it was the GHB label, and this was done sometime in the middle of 1950s. I actually don't have a date on this. The band was called the Storyville Creepers, or that was the name that they were given uh, by George Buck, presumably, and it was a trio. Omer Simeon was on clarinet. He, of course, was the clarinetist for many of the uh, Jelly Roll Morton uh, recordings from the late 1920s. He had played with Jimmy Lunsford, with Earl Hines, and then he ended his life around this time during the 1950s uh, touring with Wilbur de Paris's new New Orleans jazz band. Really fine player. I think actually these recordings were made a little earlier than that. I think these were probably from the late 1940s, 49, 50, somewhere in there. And it also features, of course, Naki Parker on piano and Arthur Herbert on drums. Whole album of uh, trio music. Very well done. We're going to take three numbers from that. We're going to take The Naked Dance, a ragtime tune, Lorenzo's Blues, which was a composition by Omer Simeon, saluting his clarinet teacher, Lorenzo Tio. And then we're going to end up with a 1920s standard, a good hot jazz favorite, called the Limehouse Blues. When we finish with that, we're going to go back to our In Gay Old New Orleans album and uh, hear a, uh, an interesting uh, Scott Joplin tune that uh, Naki Parker was playing even then in the early 1950s. This is called Grace and Beauty Rag. So we're going to hear those four tunes right now. We're going to hear The Naked Dance, Lorenzo's Blues, Limehouse Blues, and grace and beauty. Thank you. 
we have a nice foot-stomping version of a ragtime tune. We get, I think, a, a clearer idea of how ragtime tunes were probably played closer to the source. You know, Scott Joplin is often considered uh, to be a, a classical composer these days, and uh, he was specific about the ways in which he wanted his ragtime uh, to be played, not fast and not frantic and so forth. But we can assume that players uh, back in the 1890s and early 1900s probably played them as dance music with a little bit more energy and vitality to them than we may be accustomed to hearing today in classical recitals. And I think that version of Grace and Beauty by um, Naki Parker really kind of gives us the idea of what they might have sounded like. We can go back to the Library of Congress recordings done by Jelly Roll Morton in the 1930s, where he played a sort of straight version of the Maple Leaf Rag and then played a version that he said was in the style that he was doing it back in the uh, early 1900s, which was much more jazzy sounding to our ears. Uh, had that stompy quality to it and actually sounded more like Jelly Roll Morton. And I think um, Parker's uh, version of Grace and Beauty had a lot of Jelly Roll in influence in it as well. And that's appropriate because we started out our set with a Jelly Roll Morton test piece, uh, piano composition called The Naked Dance. And that was from that trio session by the Storyville Creepers, which I'm not sure what the date was. It was a live concert, I guess probably from the late 40s, 48, 49. This was released about 10 years later on the GHB label, and it featured uh, Omer Simeon, the great New Orleans clarinet player. He actually never played uh, when he was in New Orleans. His family moved to Chicago fairly early, and uh, he took up clarinet there. He learned saxophone, and he played in uh, quite a few jazz bands, including, as we mentioned, Jello Morton's Red Hot Peppers, also King Oliver Creole, or rather King Oliver's Dixie Stompers, and um, uh, later on in the swing era, the Earl Hines Band in the 30s, and then a little bit later, the Jimmy Lunsford Band. And then we also uh, got to hear him play uh, at the, towards the end of his life in a more traditional setting with the Wilbur de Paris uh, New New Orleans Jazz Band. And then Arthur Herbert was on drums, and of course, Naki Parker on piano. So after the Naked Dance, we heard two more numbers by that trio. Lorenzo's Blues, dedicated to Lorenzo Tio, uh, Simeon's clarinet teacher, or at least sometime clarinet teacher, and the Limehouse Blues, a favorite from the early 1920s, from jazz bands all that period. So a little reminder that uh, I have a jazz podcast called The Jazz Focused on Anchor.fm. I hope you take a listen to that, John Clark, on there. We have quite a uh, quite a few things that are in there, including some of our old uh, WTF radio programs, as well as a lot of uh, other uh, explorations of, of the cobwebby corners of jazz recording history. Uh, we're going to be doing one coming up that's related to the uh, show that we're listening to right now, the Naki Parker Show. I'm going to be doing one uh, featuring some more Naki Parker recordings, but all in the uh, realm of his time with the uh, Light Crust Doughboys, and also a, a, a one or two off recording session that he did with Bill Boyd's Cowboy Ramblers. So a little more Western swing for you there. That'll be coming up. Uh, we just did a Dickie Wells program, the great trombone player. We're going to be doing several others coming up as well, possibly a Turk Murphy program for some unreleased Turk Murphy recordings that you who are fans of that fine band would uh, be interested in. So right now we're going to uh, finish up with a number, maybe two. I think we'll have time for two. The first one is a recording that came really right from the end of Naki Parker's life. He died in 1986, and this 
recording was made in March of 1986, so he didn't have too much time left, but he sounded good on this. This uh, kind of rounds us out in a way. We started out with those two tunes that he did with the Light Crest Doughboys uh, that had been recorded by the Bob Crosby Band. This recording uh, was done by a couple of members of the Bob Crosby Band who were still playing together after uh, four or 50 years or so. Uh, Yank Lawson on trumpet and Bob Haggard on bass. In the interim, they had also led the world's greatest jazz band. This is kind of an offshoot of that. This band was recorded by George Buck for Audiophile Records uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, has some fine playing by Yank Lawson, George Masso on trombone, Johnny Mintz on clarinet, Al Klink on tenor sax, Naki Parker, of course, Bob Haggard on bass, and Nick Fatul on drums. And we're going to listen to the Dogtown Blues, a Bob Haggard blues composition. Then, assuming we have some time, we're going to do one more solo piano uh, tune by Naki Parker. And this is an unusual one. This is a, a ragtime come jazz tune called um, the Wildflower Rag. This was composed uh, by, well, we think it was composed by Clarence Williams, the New Orleans piano player, although we're not sure how much music he actually did compose, but this is a tune that he recorded at any rate with a band. But this is a solo piano version, again from about 1950 or so, featuring Naki Parker. So those will be our two tunes, the Dogtown Blues and uh, Wildflower Rag, both featuring the wonderful Naki Parker. So hope you've enjoyed this program, learned a little bit about somebody maybe you hadn't heard of before. Uh, this is John Clark and the Jazz Focus. We are on WETF the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. So hope you tune in again, and we'll leave you with those two tunes, Dogtown Blues and Wildflower Rag.
Ha 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 ha!